1015 FM, 720 AM. Don, the talk of Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. One full hour of wrestling news, entertainment, and lots of Sin City surprises from inside the squared circle. Now, let's bring on the host. Here is Mark Hoke. All righty, everybody. Good morning, Las Vegas. They let me back behind a microphone, Fish. It's frightening enough, but, you know, hey, to each their own. Yeah, you betcha. I'm <laughs> excited to be here. Welcome to the Mark Oak hey, Show. You're working more than Wyndham Rotunda at this point. Oh, dear God. We have a lot to talk about. But uh, just to intro, hey, thank you for joining us here on the Mark Oak Show. We are the number one professional wrestling show here in Las Vegas, and coming for you guys better watch out i did in poker so here we go this Let's is gonna be it. fun be fun and of course joined in the booth today by andrew fish fan what's up fish How you doing? i'm just thrilled to be a part of this i you know anytime i can be a part of the number one show in a- anywhere i'm thrilled and now you're talking you, you know baseball is my wheelhouse but wrestling is right there you know when i said to fish hey i'm gonna be doing a wrestling show you should have seen the gleam in his eye. It was like a little kid at Christmas that, that got the PlayStation, the Xbox, and the Switch at the same time. He was, I could just see him like, hey, I said, hey, Fish, you want to you wanna hop in on this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You betcha, I'm in. So Fish is here. We're going to have a whole bunch of exciting characters joining us uh, as we go along here on the show, too. We're really excited to be here. And uh, uh, just real quick thanks to KDWN and Mike Petrell for Getting me set up here. I want to thank Bob Lusk, my buddy from Blue Rail. For you guys that follow the poker show, you know about Bob and uh, the work he do at Blue Rail uh, for you know, helping set up the website. Bob, thank you for that. John Lindquist, whose voice you're going to hear on all the elements on the show. John, of course, a Nevada Broadcasting Hall of Famer. And in my opinion, the best voice in Las Vegas. He ought to be here. We need to get him on a Kadon. I have no doubt. He's the man. And um want to thank my friend Robin Sandler and uh, $5logo.com for doing the new logo. I think it came out all right. It's beautiful. You kidding? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was it was pretty solid. This is gold, baby. Yeah, I had to update. I, ha- I had the we old got, one we up got on the, the website for it. Now. Yeah, it's it's it, you know it's pretty sexy. I'm gonna go with it. It's not a discount double check. It's just no the strap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need a little more of a discount double check right now. I gotta gotta get myself back in shape here, a little wrestling shape. Uh, but uh, and uh, let's see, do we have uh, we have Joe? Trying to see if we got Joe on uh, Joe on the line here yet, but we're going to be joined by future stars of wrestling, Joe DeFalco, coming on the show with us. We're going to have some fun with Joe. Is uh, they've got some really exciting stuff going on here in Las Vegas around SummerSlam weekend too, so we're looking forward to having Joe on the show. I, I do have a quick question for you about SummerSlam. What are your thoughts of it, the fact that it's on a Saturday? I know it's the same day as a fight, and, and Vince McMahon promises it'll end before the fight begins, but. Are you, are you do you think it's a good move to have it on a Saturday? Or you prefer to keep them on Sundays? Um, I'm torn on it. I, you know, obviously, I think there's it's a huge busy weekend if I remember right um, in Las Vegas, and you know, with, I, you know, it's you got Pacquiao fight. football. I think coming, you know, the Pacquiao fight. There's a lot happening, so you know, I mean, it's just when they can get in the stadium. But I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So we're all good. Uh, do we have Joe? Not yet. Okay, so we're waiting on Joe to getting Joe in here. Uh, but let's get started here. Uh, as soon as we get Joe on, we'll have him join in the discussion. 
you know, it's a good thing that nothing has been going on in wrestling in the yeah. past week and a half. Big yawn. Oh, my God. Uh, the big thing that just hit yesterday, Bray Wyatt, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, as his real name is, and we may be hearing more of that name uh, in the future, gone. See ya. Future endeavored from WWE. Uh, yesterday, they uh, apparently the victim of more of these legendary budget cuts going on at Titan Tower, and uh, my hey. God, this is uh, and and it did not resound well. But uh, Fish, let me get real quick your thoughts on the release of Bray Wyatt. You know, there have been some huge names that have been released, whether it was Samoa Joe, who who they did bring back, Braun Strowman, who they released, and I think that came out of nowhere. But none are bigger. Than Wyndham Rotunda getting getting the axe, if you will. He, I mean, there there has not been another character like him that had sold the merch that he had sold, that had the following that he had had, and the way the way they ended their his story at WrestleMania with Alexa Bliss, it's, it sort of just fizzled out from nowhere. It's like, well, what's going on? And then we didn't see him again since April. Obviously, we're now in August, and now he's gone. It's just, to me, another d- display of Vince McMahon being just completely out of the loop. Yeah, I I just think that they ran out of, they, they, they took the character in a place where they really didn't know where to go. They, I mean, they put it in a corner. They absolutely they, did. They, I think they, they, they made the mistake at WrestleMania with what they did and having, having uh, Alexa cost him the match with Randy Orton. And you're right, they had nothing to do with him at that point. Yeah, so... There's there's a lot of fallout from this, but I want to get uh, I want to get our guest uh, Joe DeFalco on the show. We're going to let him talk about this too and a lot of other stuff. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I know your guy that works a lot and does a lot of night work too. So we're all in the same boat right now. There's a container of sugar over here for the coffee. I may have to start slamming that thing. Hey, whatever works. <laughs> but uh, Joe, your thoughts real quick on the release of Bray Wyatt. I mean, how stunned are you about this? Yeah, it is surprising, but it, it, it's weird. Like a lot of stuff have come out about how uh, mentally he wasn't there, but it's, you know, that he, that he really didn't want to do anything for a while. So it's like, you don't really know the full story. There, there, there's so much more going on when it comes to stuff like this, that we're not privy to it. And, you know, when leaks go out on the Internet, you know, what's true, what isn't true. You know, I've dealt with a lot of wrestlers over the years, and, you know, a lot of times the stories you hear aren't the facts of the stories. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, you know, you shake your head, and it's like I was always kind of sh- shot. I guess you can say when it came to the Bray Wyatt stuff, you know, it was like he was in, he was out. It looks like he was getting this big push and then it was stopped. And then like adding Alexa Bliss into the thing, I I thought as I, you know, heard you talking about with the WrestleMania thing. Yeah, it it was all weird, but it's it's no different than Braun Strowman, who looked like he was going to be maybe the face of the company. Right now. And all of a sudden, like the dude's gone, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, his merch showed up. Oh, now it was a mistake, and it's like it's hard to believe that they could make these mistakes. 
Now, in, in April, when they had the big first round of cuts, one of those cuts was Bo Dallas. Does that, do you think that has anything to do with his, his because obviously Bo Dallas being his brother, would have any anything to do with his attitude towards the company because they released his brother? Or is that just really not, not neither here nor there when it comes to it? I don't think so. I'm one of the biggest Bo Dallas fans. It's like, I want him to be the FSW champion. I thought Bo Dallas got over in two or three different uh, spots that he was given, whether it was the Bo Leave, which was corny as can be, <laughs> and Love was it. awesome. And then when he was kind of looked like he looked like the, uh, he looked like a drug lord when he came out as you know the Miz's bodyguard, you know, and he was in great shape, and, and it was like this guy got himself over. You know, I've seen it time and time again. You know, one of my other favorites was a guy like Wade Barrett. Like, you know, he got over in the Nexus. He got over at Bad News Barrett. And for some reason, they didn't want to, like, continue the role with him. And But there's some guys that don't get over, and they get repackaged five different times. And it's, I guess, personal preference, you know. As a, as a promoter who's done things, you know, for 12 years, like, to me, a guy like Bo Dallas was money. And they really didn't seem to have things for people. And I really think they just have way too many people on the roster. And it's like, how can you get over 70 guys? You just can't. You know, I thought that was funny. It's funny you mentioned that because um, I heard on Jim Cornette's podcast when they were, they did this little segment, which ended up being about a 50-minute segment. They were, I think they were trying to do it in 15, that they started going through the entire WWE roster from top to bottom, and they've got 200-plus people that they're trying to work with on these shows. And, you know, and I don't blame, I won't blame WWE for kind of, you know, cleaning that up a little bit, but this one I think shocked everybody. And, and I'm curious about the morale right now. We're seeing a lot of people really getting upset. And I remember Bailey on the last round of cuts put a tweet out that she was, yeah, well, Ruby Riot. Um, and now we have a lot of people reacting very negatively to this cut as well. Uh, what do you think the morale is like at WWE at this point? You know, you always hear it up and down, and more times you hear it down than up. And it's like, you know, it's hard to say. You know, a guy like Karrion Cross, for example, trained at FSW, he's our guy. You know, so the Vegas people, you know, watch every move that's being made with him. And, you know, here's a guy, he's the NXT champion. He gets pushed immediately, and we're like, holy crap, you know, uh, crosses the champ. And then he goes to Monday Night Raw, and right before that, he kind of goes on 205 and does some stuff, and everybody's paying attention, and they see Scarlett not with him. And it's like, what are they doing? They're killing Cross. And then all of a sudden, he loses to Jeff Hardy, and everybody's going wild. And it's like, as... Watching WWE and not really appreciating a lot of the stories that they do, even I with Cross think there has to be more to it than then, hey, we're going to bring you up and show you who the boss is and we're going to have you lose to Jeff Hardy. And it's like, you know, you, you got to let things play out. And, you know, it, it could be garbage, but yeah, at least have to let it play out before. You know, you see what's going on. And, you know, guys are getting paid a lot of money. There's a lot of guys that are just happy to have a job. And then there's other guys that, you know what, you don't got something for me. You know, Austin Aries, 
you know, when he came in. You know what? You guys got nothing for me? Just release me. You know, let me go do my thing. I'll go make my money elsewhere. I don't feel like sitting around doing nothing, even though the guy was going to get paid to do it. You know, and, and everybody's different. Some, it's kind of like in, in 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 all sports. If you're the third string quarterback and you're not playing, do you, you know? Yeah, do you, yeah, you care, but you're getting paid. You're not going to be like, you know what? Cut me. I'm going to go somewhere else because I'm going to start. Because you have no idea. And there's so many options these days. But I've seen it with people that I've worked with that, you know, because of AEW and maybe they're in NWA or maybe they're in Impact or or whatever it is, that they always think the grass is greener on the other side. And I've seen guys who legitimately have been, you know, asking for releases because they think AEW is going to sign them right up, you know. And in some cases they do, but you have to be a top-tier guy. And Bottom line is you, you can't have, as you said, 200 top-tier guys. So it's like, how about you focus on the main guys? Like, I never understood why John Cena would only be on one show. It's like, he's your number one guy. Who cares if he's yeah. on Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, I, th- I think it's very interesting. And, I, and a future show, I'm, I want to talk about restructuring the WWE because I think that they really need to make a lot of changes on how they're presenting their product. Um, of course, so we're on the Mark Hoke show. Uh, I'm Mark Hoke. Thanks for being with us. We got Andrew Fishfane sitting in and Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas. He's got some big shows coming up, and uh, we're going to get to talk to him about that in a little bit. You just mentioned something that's very, I find very interesting about you have to push your top guys. So You have the com- a company like AEW, which has its top guys, but now the rumors that they're bringing in Brian Danielson and they're bringing in CM Punk. Doesn't that make it a little more difficult for them because now they're bringing in more top guys, so they have to figure out a way to put not keep some of the new some of the guys they've built up down for the new guys they're bringing in. Uh, I honestly believe they've signed way too many guys. It's like when they first started, they had arguably at that time two of the hottest tag teams in wrestling with LAX and Pentagon and Phoenix. And those guys have been relegated to Jericho's lackeys and they've split up Pentagon and Phoenix. They never really got a run. And this was the team that everybody wanted. You know, we were lucky enough to have them at one of our Mecca shows. And, you know, we try to have, you know, we're in a different situation budget wise. We're trying to get our money back. We're paying a lot of money for certain people, you know, and, you know, we did meet and greets and we did stuff with Pentagon and Phoenix. And it was by far, you know, one of the best decisions, you know, bringing in Pentagon and Phoenix and bringing in Jushin Liger were two of the best moves we ever did, you know, in FSW because of their, their value. And in AEW, they're signing a million dudes and, you know, CM Punk and Danielson. Yeah, of course they're going to, they're going to got to, they got to go straight to the top, but you know, how many, how many, how many different YouTube shows do you have to have? You know, it's like contractually, from what I understand, you know, guys need to get their matches and guys are getting paid a lot of money. And a lot of times there, there's really nothing for them. You know, everything's dominated by, by Jericho and Moxley and, and rightfully so, but why do you need to sign all these people? And it's it, it's more of a, a pissing contest of WWE needs to sign all these people, and the, so AEW needs to sign all these people. 
And it's amazing because there's that much talent out there that you can throw impact into the mix, throw ring of honor into the mix, you know, new Japan into the mix. And you got these five companies that have more guys on their roster than ever. And there's still great talent out there when you're talking about on the independence. So, you know, wrestling wise, you know, there's never been more talent around, but sometimes there just isn't room for everybody. Right. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the CM Punk and Daniel Bryan situation. Of course, Rampage coming up. We've got a, a new show uh, on uh, TBS that's going to be starting up on the 13th. Fascinating situation, of course, with this uh, CM Punk signing. They haven't announced this yet. They didn't say a word. But the United Center uh, show, which they're calling the first dance uh, for Rampage on the 20th, is pretty much sold out. There's, I went and looked at If you want to sit in Section 321, we've got a little bit of room for you up there. <laughs> but that is it. And they have not said that CM Punk is definitely going to be there. But obviously, you know, the, the hints were starting to get dropped on the show. Um, so a, a very exciting time. But there's been some fallout from the signing. Vince McMahon's starting to get a little bit of backlash from the investors in WWE. Uh, what do you think is the fallout of Daniel Bryan and CM Punk signing these contracts, going to AEW, and what is it going to mean to this you know, budding war maybe between WWE and AEW? I'm going to be honest with you. I think WWE is so far ahead that AEW can have their big shows and then they can they can do these things. But to the masses, WWE is it. Good, bad, and different. I'm not the biggest fan. When it, you know, growing up, I always you know, whenever I'm talking with people, we're talking wrestling. You know, it's the same thing. You know, if you go to the '90s and the Attitude Era, you know, everybody who's not a wrestling fan knew who. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Ted DiBiase, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Everybody knew who they were, you know, even to this day. Like when we would do a show, the first thing that got us on the map when we did our very first show at the Silver Nugget in 2009 was we brought in Jimmy Superfly Snooker. And we also brought in his son, who was known as Deuce, because he trained in Vegas and, and Superfly lived out here. So we, we knew him personally. And... Nobody cared about Deuce. You know, I remember having a signing at my buddy Scott's at the mall, and, you know, there's there was a lot of people there, and they were there because, hey, I remember when I was a kid, I used to see this guy, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. It's not like that, that this day. It's like guys get released, and we hit them up, and we're trying to see, and these guys want an exorbitant amount of money, yet they never won matches on Raw or SmackDown. They were barely ever on, and they want, you know, they don't, they want thousands of dollars. And it's like they never got over in any way. And, and is it their fault? No, they were just probably never given that opportunity. But when they come out and they go onto the indie scene, hey, I'm an ex WWE guy. You know, you put it on the flyer. Unfortunately, it doesn't have a lot of value if, if you've never won a match on TV. Why would somebody take you seriously? And, you know, that's my issue when I'm trying to, to promote stuff. When Like, who's got value for the dollar? 
you know, and CM Punk was never going back to the WWE. No, like, he was not. <laughs> you know, that that was never breaks my happen. heart. But I, 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 I'm with you because yeah, there was just no chance of that happening. Too many burnt, too many burnt bridges on that. You send a guy you know, a but future never letter on your wedding day. The big yeah. show or Mark Henry would go to AEW. So, yeah. It, now it, these comments from Vince McMahon at that investors meeting, uh, where he said, uh, "I don't consider them competition in the way that I would consider." WCW back in the day, not anywhere near close to that. And I'm not so sure what their investments are as far as their talent is concerned, but perhaps we can give them some more. Do you think that that was a smokescreen? Do you think that Vince has any concerns about what's happening in AEW, that they are starting to move up a little bit? Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to hear you know from the inside what your thoughts are about Vince's yeah, feelings. they're moving up a little bit, but the battle was NXT and AEW. So the fact that AEW is beating the third-ranked show that's considered a minor league show, even though they try to act like it isn't, it's the developmental of the guys that they really want to get ready for the main roster. And AEW was going back and forth, and that's not a mon- that, that that isn't a Wednesday night war when you beat the the, the third show that they have. You know, totally agree. go head to head with Raw and SmackDown, and now let's see how you do. You know, the, do they have talent? Do they have a TV outlet? They got things that nobody ever had before. And, you know, you can look at what Vince McMahon said in two different ways. I don't look at it as competition with WCW because what he continued to say was Ted Turner, all the assets of Turner Broadcasting was in their pocket. AEW has a time slot on Turner, and they gave him another time slot, but they don't devote all their promotion to that, where with WCW, they could if they wanted to. And at times, they probably did. You know, AEW is doing fine. You know, if they concentrate on what they're doing, you know, to worry about WWE, hey, they, as you said, they sold out Chicago, you know. But if you also noticed the before the pandemic, they started having some trouble selling tickets because it's easy to do one big show every four months and got they got people from all over the all over the country to come to Vegas. They got people from all over the country to go to to Chicago. Now you got weekly television. Those people aren't going to be traveling all over. So you got to get a lot more fans to fill 10, 15, 20,000 seat arenas if now you're doing a live show every week and now you're doing two shows every week. Well, WWE's done it for 50 years. Vince McMahon used to have, in my opinion at least, the golden touch. Anything that he touched seemed to turn to gold and work. It seems to me, anyway, that he has lost some of that touch. Is it time for him to step down, or is this something that's just never going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen until he dies, to be honest with you. You know, (laughs) it's like, yeah, I personally believe he's out of touch, and I'm 56 years old. You know, I grew up with Vince McMahon. He was he was the the announcer on the show. When I, I I'm with you. I'm 52. Yeah, I'm 52. And I was watching the same. Stuff. I'm the youngest one in the room. That's right. At 51. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So the thing is, it's like you know, he was always into the the poopy humor and the Cena stuff. That that 
if I'm thinking it's dumb, I'm pretty sure the 25 year old <laughs> and the newer fan base is dumb. What AEW is smart as is they're they're starting to get the 20 something crew. Yeah, they the are fan base. Yeah, they are picking that up. I, and know. we're going to be headed to break here in just a second. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about FSW, of course. But I want to talk about Nick Gage showing up on a mainstream wrestling show on AEW. And, of course, uh, you guys are going to be doing some work with uh, GCW, too, so we're going to discuss that. So should be fun. So we will be back from a little three-minute break here on the Mark Oak Show. Thank you for joining us here on KEWN, 101.5 FM, 7.20 AM. We will be right back. Now, let's return to The Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Here again, your host, Mark Hoke. Yeah, that's me. Good morning, Las Vegas. How are we doing? The best in professional wrestling here in Las Vegas. It'll be around the world soon enough. Uh, Andrew Fishfane sitting in here. We've got uh, on the phone our guest, uh, Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling. Great shows coming up over at SummerSlam. And I'm just wondering if this guy's going to be involved, but I want to talk about the appearance of Nick Gage on AEW. Of course, uh, Nick is known as the Deathmatch Master, uh, works with Game Changing Wrestling uh, promotion. Uh, and they did a Deathmatch with Chris Jericho as one of the labors of Jericho on AEW uh, this last week. Uh, first... You know your reaction to the match being on AEW, Joe. Did 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 you think that was a a good idea to have that on network TV? You know, I kind of have my thoughts on, it, but I want to hear what you think first. Uh, first off, I think absolutely. Secondly, I popped because I heard my guy John Lindquist doing the uh, the voice over there. I love John. I worked with him on my radio show in 1999. John's the man. If you guys, if, if you ever need voice work, John is John's the best. Yeah, you know, we we rehooked up. He's actually done some stuff for our FSW network and things. Uh, you know, nobody better than John. But nope. Nick Gage, you know, we had him a couple times, and and you know, uh, he he was a great dude to work with. You know, and he took he took his craft seriously. You know, and having that on there that that's what differentiates AEW. You know, it's like they're willing to, to to do that and bring in different people. And, you know, WWE had always been this sheltered company that, you know, even going back to the day, you know, you, you would think Macho Man Randy Savage never wrestled anywhere until he showed up in the WWF. And it's like <laughs> with the Internet and social media especially, everybody knows who everybody is. So it's like – you know, don't hide it. Don't take advantage of it. You know, the problem is, is like if Nick Gage showed up on NXT, he would be uh, Rick Page. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> that, could, they got new eyes on their product. AEW GCW is, you know, extremely hot because during the pandemic, they're one of the few companies, you know, that ran, you know, we've been fortunate that because of our success and the relationships that I've made over the years, when ring of honors out here, we work with them. 
When Impact's out here, we work with them. So now GCW is out here. We work with them, and we've done enough good things with them that they're confident to incorporate us into a joint show that that we're going to do because they see our success in Vegas, and it, it it's going to enhance you know both companies and. Working with these relationships, there's so many companies, as you see now, with Impact and New Japan and AEW, and everybody's working together, you know, and everybody, that that's the only way. If anybody's ever going to beat WWE, it's like New Japan and AEW and all these companies doing stuff together to be able to get more of those eyes, you know, on their product. So Nick Gage is... I guarantee you there was all the GC. I know for a fact all the GCW fans were tuning into AEW that may never have watched that show before. So if they can continue to do that, you know, you know, why not? You know, Domino's Pizza should be excited that they got lucky enough to have him use a pizza cutter during the match that happened to be on a, a on, on a split screen. Yeah, for, like, for yeah for people that don't know what happened with that, I was going to mention that real quick. Nick Gage, one of Nick Gage's things that he does in these death matches is he uses a pizza cutter on people in uh, some rather vicious ways, to say the least. You know, and he did it did it to Jericho right when there was a split screen coming uh, when they went to break. Jericho's getting slashed with a pizza cutter on his head, while Domino's Pizza has a commercial running with a pizza cutter going through the pizza, and uh, there was a. You know, there was some fallout from that. But, you know, of course, there were there were some questions about whether WWE actually planted one of this this article um, it, or what kind of press Domino's was getting from this or how they reacted. But uh, that was a fascinating situation. I, do, you, do you think they timed that? Uh, you, you, would have, you know, it's hard to believe they would, but you, you can't put anything past it. Twitter loved it. You know, Domino's got more love on Twitter than I'm pretty sure they've ever had. The Noid. Maybe we need to have a match with the Noid at your upcoming uh, event. <laughs> you <Bart know>. <laughs> Nick Cage might. against the Noid. Fish, you could be the Noid. I, I would be more than happy to be the Noid, but, you know, see, my the interesting thing to me is realizing that Nick Gage had just lost to Matt Cardona as well. Yes. So to lose and, the GCW title. Right. You know, and that was it. That was an interesting situation too, because I was sitting there thinking, you know, is that part of the reason that Matt dropped, that Nick dropped the belt to Matt, so he could you know, go on they, AEW. So he go on AEW without the belt. You didn't have any situation with, you know, the the GCW champion coming L- out and, and losing getting beat to Jericho, and, all this, and right. so on. You know, I, I'm sure. Do you think that was some consideration on all that? I personally don't. I think it was a brilliant move because when Cardona came in, like he was. You know, that anti-GCW guy. And if you're going to move the belt to somebody, he's the perfect dude because, you know, the crowd's going berserk because they hate him. It was it was kind of like an ECW one-night stand with John Cena. Yeah. Like, RVD winning was like, you know, the biggest thing ever. The, the little company that could. And, you know, their guy, you know, beat the WWE machine and with Cardona, it's like he came out, he did the promo. The first one he came out, it looked like he was John Moxley. He was doing the strut because Moxley was doing stuff in GCW. But now they got to run 
to where I look at it as kind of like when the Honky Tonk Man won the Intercontinental. Oh, like, God, he was tuning so in every time because you always thought he was going to lose the belt. Now, anybody who wrestles Cardona in GCW is going to be the biggest fan favorite that GCW has because they want to get the belt off that guy. Yeah, if if you haven't seen the video, and, and, and by the way, for a casual person who doesn't know who Matt Cardona is, he used to be Zack Ryder. Woo, woo, woo. Yes. And he another, won. Another guy got buried by WWE. He yeah. himself over. You betcha. And Matt wrestled Nick Gage in a in a death match for the GCW and title. won it. Pelted and for it. The, the place went insane. I, you know, the, the Republic trash would have needed a truck out there to get all that junk out of the ring that got thrown at Matt Cardona, and he was busted up really badly, too. Chelsea Green, they showed some pictures of her, you know, them back at the hotel, and just, it was, it was, a, it was carnage. He was, he was pretty messed up, but it was, it was something to see, to see Matt Cardona wrestling Nick Gage in a death match. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see what uh, guys will do for the love of the game. Like, who thought Chris Jericho would take a pizza cutter to his head Yeah, and, at and this point in his career? He didn't need to. No, he did and, not. And, and, you you know, and AEW is doing it again this week because now they're bringing back Juventud Guerrero, who we haven't seen in I don't know how long. Yeah, you know what? The the legends sell. You know, in Vegas, GCW, our guy Chris Bay, he's, he's working two cold Scorpio. Nice. And, uh, you know, we're working on it on the joint show. Uh, Ricky Morton's going to be in all weekend. And, you know, we're looking at doing something with Ricky Morton on our show with, with GCW. Yeah, I reached out to Ricky. I want to get him on the show. I love the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, my God. Oh, I hated them. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I was never a fan of Rock and Roll Express. Uh, oh, but I, 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 I guys, come on. I just never, never a big oh. fan of Gibson and Morton. Sorry. I, 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 mean, I, I was a the... Midnight Express fan, but it was it had to be uh, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane. Yeah, sweet that Stan and beautiful Bobby. Tag. Absolutely. I liked the Midnight Express too. I, lo- I loved all the tag teams. I really did. I mean, I was always a heel guy. I always hated like the baby for the Fantastics. They were horrible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, hating on the Fantastics too. They had some great matches with the Cheapers. See, now I'm going to get. This is where we're going to get into some old school discussions on this show as we go along, guaranteed. But they had some amazing matches with the Sheep Herders back in the day. But you know, of course, yeah, uh, the, the the Sheep Herders were were maniacal before they became the bushwhackers. Yep. I I I could I still couldn't believe that because I remember man we're we're getting off topic a little bit but I still remember when you know I I saw the sheep herders were coming to WWE. I'm like, "Oh, we're going to have this nasty tag team." And all of a sudden you get, "Yay! Whoa!" and people licking their heads and I'm like, "What happened?" <laughs> they, they they got commercialized. They got WWE eyes. They, they, well, they, they decided they wanted to make money. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I hate when that happens. These people <laughs> want to make money, and you don't have to bleed like crazy for it, too. So, uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about what you're doing with with FSW. Uh, of course, you have the promotion. You have the training academy here in Las Vegas. Uh, give us first a little bit of an overview of what you do with Future Stars of Wrestling. Oh, you know, we do it all. It's a one-stop shop. It was like I said, you know, in 99, I started, I'm like, you know, internet just started getting, you know, popular and, you know, and I remember talking to people and there was this scoop site that was a big deal and getting, you know, when I lived in New York, uh, 
Jody McDonald was on like FAN, which was the big New York sports station. And I remember driving home from work on Saturdays at midnight and he would always, you know, he always give you those inside scoops on stuff you didn't know. And as a huge wrestling fan, you always wanted to hear the latest and who was going over where. So I decided to start a wrestling show. And initially I contacted WWE and they were really cordial about things. My first show, I was going to have D'Lo Brown on, all excited. I came home from doing something and I got a message. It was like, ah, oh, D'Lo's not going to be able to make it. And I was like, ah, oh, that kind of sucks. Well, we got a replacement for you and it's going to be The Rock. So on my very first show, I got to interview The Rock. That's amazing. So it was like, you know, it was it was all downhill from there. <laughs> but I, I did my show at the uh, All-Star Cafe, and then I went to the Nitro Grill, which was the wrestling themes restaurant from the Excalibur. And then we started doing the shows there, like, Friday nights whenever they had their guests. So I had, like, Vampiro and Jeff Jarrett and, and anybody who was doing the signings there. And as time progressed, it was like, oh, I want to start this, you know, I, there was a guy, Buffalo Jim, in town who was running his own wrestling stuff. And I remember his very first show. He had, like, Two Cold Scorpio on it and, and uh, Barry O, which was oh, I remember his brother. Yeah. And I'm like, he was using a lot of the local kids who weren't even, like, really ready to wrestle. They weren't good at all. And they did a show at the Orleans and did almost, like, a 1,000 people. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And the, and the, and the, and the show kind of pretty much sucked. You know what I mean? And it was like, <laughs> and then the next show they did like 350 and then the next show, you know, they were doing it out of his facility. And I'm like, man, I know I could do this better than that. And <laughs> we tried something that was called Vegas Extreme and, and we brought in talent. You know, we had Mike Knox worked for us and uh, uh, Snooker Jr., which was Deuce. And, you know, a lot of guys, uh you know, Ace Steel, who was, you know, running with CM Punk at the time. And we knew Punk from that, but we never got him. But we like, you know, our main roster guys, Derek Nykirk, who worked, you know, for the WWE for a long time. And wrestling was regulated, blah, blah, blah. We couldn't really do anything. So in 2009, they deregulated wrestling. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. Future Stars of Wrestling was born. Uh, we brought in uh, Mike Modest from Beyond the Mat. He became our first head trainer. We decided to open up a school because people come to shows, which we were doing at the Silver Nugget. And they were like, oh, you know, want to learn how to wrestle, blah, blah, blah. And I used to keep sending him to the uh, my guy Legacy. And Legacy was running a, a school, and it was like, well, we're giving this guy business when we can do doing the business ourselves. So Modest relocated, and we found ourselves a facility. And now, besides being a facility, we were able to, you know, grow homegrown talent. And, you know, early on, we brought in names that are now huge names. You know, I remember the very first show at the at the Silver Nugget. You know, we had the Reno Scum. We had Brian Cage. You know, later on, we had Sean Ricker, who became Eli Drake, who became L.A. Knight. And <laughs> that that future stars of wrestling name really seemed to, you know, mean something. And then we got Karrion Cross, and we trained him from scratch. And then Chris Bay, and we trained him from scratch. And Lacey Ryan, who's now a tag team champion in NXT in less than six months, as Zoe Stark. And she had training, but we really were able to, you know, put her in a position to where, 
you know, she got eyes on her. When she was in Utah, you know, there was not a lot going on there. And we have so many, so many talented guys, like per capita, you know, compared to California, which has, you know, 10 times as many people, you know, our guys, you know, Shefafat too, he's Rikishi's kid. And he's pretty much signed. He ain't saying where. We pretty much think it's a WWE. So we've cycled through. We give the opportunities. We've we've the biggest names in wrestling have now come through Vegas, which was considered a dead market for wrestling until we came along. Wow, that is something else. Of course, we're on with Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling on the Mark Oak Show. Of course, Andrew Fish Fane sitting in here too. So let me ask this question: When if let's say I walk in the door and I want to be a professional wrestler. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Fish. Be nice. I did used to wrestle in high school at least. But but I walk in the door and say, I want to be a pro wrestler. What is the process that you take people through? Because you know, you don't just teach them in the ring. You know, you give them all the other skills like promos and things like that. How do you train somebody? Just give us a general overview. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example with Carrying Cross. So there's this dude, his name's Kevin. Kevin Cross comes in. He's like, hey, you know, I heard about the school. You know, can you give me some information? And he was talking about, you know, his martial arts background and being a bouncer and, you know, beating up a lot of people back in the day. And he was probably about, I think at the time when he walked in the door, he was about 29 years old. And... His response was, you know what, I I train the MMA, I do all this stuff, but every time I go home, you know, I'm on YouTube watching, you know, Japanese fighting and pan craze and wrestling that I want to give this a shot, you know, before I'm too old. We're like, okay, well, you know, this is what we got to offer. You know, we have Kenny King from Ring of Honor as one of our trainers, uh, Sin Bodhi, uh, D'Lo Brown. Uh, at this point, we're lucky enough to have Sean Devari back, and then now he's gone again because he went to WWE, you know, got his old job back. But we also have TJ Perkins, and we have Allison Danger, uh, who was big time in Ring of Honor and helps, you know, with some of the major women's shows in town. But with Cross, you know, he got the opportunity, and we could tell early on. And he was a guy, six foot four, looks like a beast. You know, he put in the time, he put in the effort, like he wanted to get there. You know, there's certain guys that you have a feel for, you know, and, you know, Cross was one. Uh, Hammerstone, who, you know, is, is, is blowing up all over the place. You know, I saw him through some people in Arizona when he was a young kid. He's still a young kid. He's probably 26. But when we saw him, you know, he was green as green can be. And it was like there was just something about him that I felt was, you know, potentially this guy could be a superstar. And, again, there's a lot of guys physically who've walked in the door that I know I've been like, oh, man, this is going to be my next champion. This guy's awesome. And then he has to go through the rigors of, of training, and you could just see the, the effort isn't there. You know, it's like a lot of people wonder, and it's like we've had some of the smallest, scrawniest guys become major major people in our shows and we've had some of the the best looking physical specimens never get a match 
And it's like, it's hard work. And that's what we tell them. It's like, you know, this isn't a trampoline. You're not going to bounce off it. It's going to hurt. And when you're taking your bumps, it's going to hurt. The, the better you do them, the more you learn to do them right, the, the, the more it's going to hurt less. You know, running the ropes, you're going you're gonna to get marks on, on, on your side. And it's not for a lot of people. You know, a lot of them want to walk in and think they're going to be the next John Cena. And it doesn't work that way. It's like, you know, oh, well, you know, when am I going to get my first match? Well, you get your first match when you're ready. You know, I don't know if you're going to be here four days a week or two days a week. Are you going to be uh, jabbering and, and, oh, my God, Rob Van Dam walked in the building. Hey, can I take a picture? You know, we try to say stop being a mark. You know what I mean? You, you want to be a wrestler. You know, you, you, you're, not, you're not a fan anymore. And, you know, you get a lot of those guys. And I always say, you know, if I had $100 for everybody who didn't last two weeks, I'd be a millionaire. Because, yeah. you know, for every 20, 30, 40 people walk in the door, you know, one of them's lucky to get a match. Absolutely. Well, before before we wrap up, we got a, one thing that we have to do. This is a tradition on the Mark Hoke show that we're carrying over. I from thought the it was the first show. show. Well, I used to do. I used to do a poker show. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, but we're See, we're going to carry tradition because we 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 have never not done this on the Mark Hogue yeah, wrestling show. Yeah, so so we're so <laughs> we we got to put you through the ringer here because we're not going to let you off easy, Joe. That's that's not how we do things here. So it's time for the snap call. Time for what? It's time for the snap call. Because we like to make our guests squirm and suffer. Let's put them through the toughest grind in professional wrestling. Get ready, everyone. It's time for the Snap Call. All right. This is how this works. I have a few questions I'm going to ask you guys. I'll give you three choices. Pick your favorite answer. Snap it off. All right? Snap it off. Plus, we're running out of time, too. I get you. All right. We got it. You ready, guys? Joe, you ready? Yeah. Do I got to like, try to answer before the guy? Or no, no, no. I'll just, I'll, <laughs> I'll go to each of you. I'll go to each oh, of you. Oh, okay. okay. All right. First question. Current non-existent team you'd like to see knock off the Young Bucks? CM Punk and Brian Danielson, Mark Henry and the Big Show, or Eric Redbeard and Wyndham Rotunda. Go ahead, Fish. I'll go to you first. I'd, I'd say Mark Henry and the Big Show just to see them squash the Young Bucks. There you go. Joe, what do you think? Uh, who was the first team he said? CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Yeah, I'd rather see them. We haven't seen them on in... Uh... Mark Henry and the Big Show are combined 105, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nikki A.S.H. gimmick. Let the superhero flow. Get Nikki Cross back on the show, or meh, I just don't know. Fish? Let Nikki Cross go back on the show. There you go. What do you think? What do you think, Joe? Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I, I, it's been a while since the hurricane was popular, so. <laughs> Agreed. I am so with you on that. Worst way for Mark to promote the show at SummerSlam. You ready for this? Oh, good Lord. Body slam Mark on the floor promotion. An inferno of flaming signs in our section or guess the amount of naked jumping jacks fish can do before being tackled by security promotion. Fish! Guess the amount of naked jumping jacks fish can do. You want to do it? No, that's the worst one. You said, what's the yeah. worst idea? That's okay. the worst one. I don't, I you don't want to? No, I'm not going to do it. Joe, <laughs> Joe, you're a promoter. What do you think? I think that would be the best idea. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> We're not going to do I'll, that. Fish. I'll do it. Hey, if that's, what you, if that's what it takes, I'll do it. But I'll do anything for the show. Uh, no, we're not doing that. No. 
Uh, most likely performer migration over the next year. AEW wrestlers going to WWE, WWE wrestlers going to AEW, or it's a wash. Fish. I think it's going to be a wash. I think you're going to, now that AEW has been around three years, I think you see some of their contracts come up. I think WWE is going to steal some of those wrestlers back. Joe? Uh, I think uh, AEW and WWE wrestlers come into FSW. That's what I think. There that's you a, that's go. A much, see, I didn't have that answer. That's a much better answer. That, that's a good answer. Uh, what should be the fourth labor of Jericho? We don't know what that is yet. We know what the fifth one is, and we know what the third one is. We don't know the fourth one. A win the debate match with Kane, Antonio Inoki, and Jesse Ventura. <laughs> a gauntlet match with the entire future stars of wrestling roster. Or an outratings of the competition handicap match against Vince McMahon and Triple H. Fish. Oh, it's got to be the second one. The, the, the gauntlet match against the entire FSW roster. Joe? Oh, I agree. But the problem is the gauntlet match would only last like one or two matches because our guys would beat them already. So the rest of the roster... Ooh. We'd just be sitting in the back. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, like See? We're on the same page. Wow. We're, we're flowing together here, Joe. A, a distant you know, Chris, Jericho. Chris Bay would run circles around uh, Jericho right now. Wow. Well, right now I know a lot of people I, in wheelchairs that could run circles around Jericho. Oh. He's not in the best of shape. Oh, man. Hey, I, I, I got a quick story about Chris Jericho. Back in the day when I was doing the show at the uh, Nitro Grill, Chris Jericho came on and he was sitting out because he had hurt his ankle and his contract was coming up. So I was talking to Chris, and he was didn't really have much to do uh, after the interview. So I'm like, hey, bro, I'm DJing over at the Spearmint Rhino, you know, if you want to come down. And Chris Jericho proceeded to come down. Uh, first, he ate all my Chinese food that I was eating when he got there. <laughs> and then secondly, he basically went through all the CDs, because that's what we used back in those days. And he was pulling out all the Skid Row and the Winger and oh, the Warrant. Lord. And basically, Chris Jericho programmed my entire night at Spearman Rhino. Uh, that see, is amazing. Now, it, to me, Chris Jericho is still the best mic worker in the business. Absolutely. He is something else. Well, there's the snap call, guys. Joey, you made it. Congratulations. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got about a minute and a half to go. Uh, so I want to give you a chance. Tell everybody if they want to get more information about future stars of wrestling, where do they go? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, FSW Vegas is the website. We have our own network, which has thousands and thousands of hours. Uh, we have live events like we had yesterday and we're having next Saturday. Uh, we It's six ninety nine a month. So not only do you get a lot of our shows, uh, you get content checking out guys like chris bay and carrying cross and uh you know brian cage and matt hardy and kevin nash and all the biggest name guys that have come through the door you know uh zoe stark and tessa blanchard a great match we had uh the day before the pandemic it really hit we did the last show in in the, the country the last wrestling show on that sunday and, you know, we have a lot to offer. Check it out. Seven bucks a month. You got three shows this month. So it was $2 a show. There you go. So go to FSWVegas.com. And, of course, you want to check us out, MarkHokeShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at MarkHokeShow and on Facebook, The Mark Hoke Show. Fish, a great first show. Joe, thank you. I'm glad I could make your show good. <laughs> well, I think we all did a good job today. So there you go. Hey, thanks for being with us, Fish. Good job today, too. Real Thank quick. you. It was an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us on the Mark Oak Show. We'll see you next Sunday, 8 a.m. Thanks for being here.